Oh, well, I guess uh, the cat is out of the bag. <laughs> and it's scratching the ones under your eyes. But you know they say, uh, you know, you get more beautiful as you get older. But if that was the case, why would they make products to make you look younger? Age is just a number. Except for legal purposes, it's not. And uh, legally, I am uh, doing a number on myself. Because Drake has not fulfilled his promise of pushing back the album to October 6th. As I am recording this on October 6th at 2.51 a.m. You would understand my disdain that the album is not being dropped till 6 a.m. He should have just named the single he put out said 8 a.m. in Charlotte put 6 a.m. in Metro Atlanta because uh, I'm because you know I, I got a couple disses coming his way um, <laughs> and I'm going to get more washed than you know um, uh, MGK did versus Eminem which I actually don't think MGK really did that bad but you know forsaken purposes um but yeah uh drake why why are you doing this to me you know i took today off this may sound really sad i was like you know what typically i would go into work today i'm like you know what today's a great day i can have my day off i can go to the gym I can actually have a nice day, spend with my lady, come home, relax, and then just like get home in time for the album to drop. And I get home and find out. Even you, like, you know, DJ Academics was streaming. And someone put his live stream on YouTube. And I'm sitting there clicking on it, ready for like some type of reaction or whatever. And. He, as he's doing the stream like three or four minutes past midnight, he's like, he goes on Instagram because he's trying to find it. And he's like, Drake posted, it will be dropping at 6 a.m. He was sitting there stunned, like didn't know should he stop the stream or whatever. He's like, well, fuck it. I don't care. <laughs> I'll stay up. <laughs> I got nothing else to do. It's like when Drake drops, it's a definition. I don't know why Drake's doing it. Maybe he's making a few final touches. Um. I think it's just because he can. Just to prove a point like, yep, I will make you stay till 6 a.m. Even though I pushed it back. It's kind of like that uh, treatment that, uh, who is she? Uh, Erica Badu is notorious for being notoriously late to concerts and you're going to stay and wait for her. And there's something about people waiting for you. It adds more power. It adds more anticipation it makes people feel maybe more angry. And some people, it shows like, hey, whatever Drake wants, I'm here for you. And I'm mostly in that camp. Like, hey, I'll be fine. I just got to wait, you know, um, three hours and five minutes. But you know what? Who's keeping track? It's not like I have a countdown like Santa's coming to town on Christmas or anything. Um, <laughs> I remember those as a young kid. The... uh Santa Claus, you know, you would always look on Christmas Eve and Christmas, it would be like, where's Santa Claus in the world? It'd be like, uh, you know, he's in Singapore right now. It's like, yeah, he gifts all these gifts and somehow it's like, hey, can we have food? It's like, eh, you know, I'm sure food would be nice, but here's a Hot Wheels car you could drive around in. It's like, yeah, we don't have any outlets to battery power these. We're a third world country. He's just like. Well, it'll be fun the first time you ride it. Um, <laughs> but yeah, it's okay. I'll be all right. But yeah, uh, recording this at 2.55 a.m. Eastern on October 6, 2023 for the archives. Welcome to the Off and Be podcast with Clint Nelson. Jesus, I'm all over the place with the order I typically do things. Welcome to Off and Be with Clint Nelson, the podcast. I'm your host. Clint Nelson, uh, never gets old, the redundantness. Um, don't forget to like, follow, comment, subscribe, hit the notification bell on all apps, and also leave a review 
a five-star, four-star review, however much you like Spotify. Um, I have a couple reviews on there, you know, genuine reviews. Didn't ask anyone to leave a five-star review. I actually just have a genuine couple of reviews. Subscribe to the YouTube channel. Leave a thumbs up and all that good diddly-do. Because I will party like a rock. Party like a rock in a hard place star. Yeah. So, what's the rock cooking on this episode? But yeah. So, uh, recent, you know, I actually want to, there's something that happened recently in my life and you don't want to speak too much to existence. And if it doesn't work out, I can always come back on the podcast and completely be angry as fuck and blame the world and be like, Hey, and it's probably not smart to talk about in general. So I'll keep it vague. Let's just say I interviewed for a position of meaning that could potentially financially and, you know, just from a growth standpoint, building the resume, you know, challenging yourself as a person. I interviewed for a job position that let's just say would my pay would increase a good, I think the numbers is like 30%. If I'm doing the math correct, it's a pretty substantial. It's pretty, uh, you know, my uh, taxes are going to be a little bit uh, paid on time, I guess. Um. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not admitting to anything. I was watching something recently where someone was at a show. And here's the thing with like this crowd work stuff. I'm not a big fan of it, but I don't know. It was a crowd work thing a comedian was doing. And then the crowd, someone was talking. He's like, who do you work for? He's like, I work for the IRS. And everyone in the crowd just booed and everything. But he was like, saying like yeah, I work for the fucking IRS. And he's like, man, you must, re- man, you suck more than I think you did, you know? Um, <laughs> and he's like, and he kind of pointed out there was this guy like keeping his head down, like, oh, I'm, it's like I've been feeling you owe some money to the IRS. Don't it's like, don't worry, he can't audit you here. And then the guy was like, well, actually, we. He's like, shut up, no one likes you. Um, <laughs> but yeah, let's just say it would be a nice. And I did an interview, right? And I'm not going to lie, I was very, not, I wasn't nervous going in. I'm always, you know, I'm not nervous about interviews or like structural, uh, conversational settings potentially. I don't get scared about those, right? I don't worry about that. Like, I don't worry about being able to react to what's being asked. You know, as long as you prepare in some ways, you don't want to over prepare for these things because you want it to feel natural and flowing. You want to be able to be present. The problem is sometimes when you're so prepared, you're more worried about what you're going to say instead of actually reading, responding in real time type of thing. So I was actually very mindful to like, you know what? I need to understand the format. I need to really make sure I check a few boxes preparing for this, look like I want the job. And, you know, it lasted about an hour and some change. And I think that's a good sign. I think I did very well, but I think the best thing about doing interviews and stuff is that you actually get a real gauge of like how people in real positions of authority look at you as an individual, whether it's a workplace or this could be more generalized because you know, look, you work somewhere, you do X, Y, and Z with whoever. People may comment like, you know what, you're you're really, you know, do you know that you're really good at blah, 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 like you make people feel blah, blah, blah. But then when you get in these, like, that's actually challenged, you know, you actually say like, man, let's see if I actually do know what the fuck I, I'm talking about. Let's see if I actually do know, you know, why I'm doing this, right? And I don't have the job yet. I have a really good feeling. But see, the problem is you don't want to become so inclined to assume that you get something that may or may not be there. But typically you get a really good feeling. But some people are so good at interviewing and some interviews go make you feel like you did a good job, even if you may or may not in their eyes did everything the way they would have ideally wanted some. But, you know, um, 
I guess it's just more like, hey, it's a pivoting point in my life. You know, I did something that was kind of uncomfortable. I could have stayed what I was doing and been okay and kind of made life hard on myself. Or I could challenge myself and there could be a lot more benefits down the road. Um, And one of the biggest things, actually, I think I talked about trying to go for a position in a past podcast. But one of my worries, because I always see it, and I guess I'll make this more, here's where we're actually talking about subject matter, you know, is it, are you, there's a fine line between not sacrificing things you enjoy in your personal life compared to not taking certain, uh, authoritative risk in your occupation let's just say your professional uh, life and the hardest part could be when you have outside pursuits that take time in your thought process your mind and the things you worry about is typically when you take positions that require more a few a little bit more of your time there's a more pay. So typically with those jobs come with a little bit more stress. It come with work stress. You worry about, man, like, do I even want to have to deal with that? Take that shit home with me? Kind of worry about that. That's a genuine thing, especially when you do something that takes your mental capacity. It takes you, you know, being the best versions of yourself. And sometimes those jobs, sometimes those positions that have status, those positions that have real... Uh, it could really put a number on someone if they're not really prepared for it. And, you know, especially if you don't have experience. Like, I don't have experience for potentially this job that I may be getting, right? But um, it's one of those things that I avoided maybe really going at it full-fledged because I was afraid it would interfere with doing this show or doing my writing or doing even, you know, just going to the gym. Like it's one of those type of jobs where especially in the near future, it's gonna, it's a lot of hours and stuff. Right. But the way I look is like, I think a lot of people can justify working a lot more if they feel like the financial benefits of doing it make it worthwhile. I think the issue we have is now we live in a very economic situational life like yes there's higher pay than ever and everything but everything's inflated everything costs an arm and a dick wad and it's just you know it just really makes some people are just like you know what i'm gonna be pretty much broke anyways even if i work these extra 12 hours this week so you know what? i might as well just have that time to myself and pretend that it will be all right if i don't do anything you know because it's just an endless cycle but it's kind of, but one things I've gone back and forth with, and I think a lot of people can relate, and that's why I kind of wanted to even mention and talk about it, was because I feel like a lot of people are afraid to take certain opportunities that they can do, make potentially more money, take a potentially more stable position because they're afraid what comes with that position may interfere with stuff they enjoy outside of life. And you know what? That's a very fair thing to worry about. It's like until basically you need to take that, basically life will basically be like, hey, um, you don't have to do it, but it ain't looking good for you if you don't, you know. And sometimes that's motivated. No, I don't think there's anything wrong in general. That's that a main reason why you pursued a job was because of the financial aspect of it. I don't think there's anything wrong with that. If I was an employer, right? And one of the reasons, like, I asked someone, hey, so why do you want this position? I Maybe it wouldn't want to be, you wouldn't want the overwhelming theme of everything they're saying. Be like, hey, yeah, you know, the money's good and, you know, I need to do this financially and all. Like, you know, that would be like, all right, trust me, we know people aren't going to take this job unless it was getting paid what it was getting paid. But what about the job actually interests you? What about it do you think elevates something about you in the future even after you decide to leave the job or what if everything's just about man 
You know, I just need this sh money. Um, I would love for someone to say that in an interview. Man, I'm just trying to get this bread out here, you know. I'm trying to make this sh money, you know. And like, yeah, well, you're not going to be doing that here, I guess. Um, <laughs> But I would have no problem if someone listed, like, a few things that were not money-related. But, like, look, and to be honest, the financial benefits are pretty, you know. It's definitely enticing. It makes it where... It makes it worthwhile to take it. I don't think there's anything wrong with that. 99% of employers, I don't think really are mad with that statement. Because no one's going to take a job that comes with more responsibility. If there's not a financial incentive. That that's just doesn't make sense. So, you know, you don't have to play the whole like, you know what? I would do this job for free. Because I would look at you and be like, you sure? Alright, hey, say less. Um... <laughs> I do Are you dumb? Um, uh, I think I am. Um, but it's a genuine concern, and I feel for a lot of people. Because what you don't want, I think you want it to be where you still feel like you're taking a position because you feel like, you know what, I actually kind of want to do this. Even if maybe your personal situation, maybe fast forward that. You definitely don't want to be in a position where you have to take a job just because of how much money it takes. Or how much money it can give you if your other options aren't even relatively in the ballpark to be able to afford whatever you need to afford. You don't want to be where you need to have to take a job. You want it to be where it's like, you know what? It's about time. I take it. And there's a lot of things, pressure that may push that along sometimes. Pressure applies results. Sometimes discomfort, reality of struggle in life can really make you do shit that you weren't ready to do or not sure you're ready to do. But you just kind of be like, you know what? I got to stop being a little bitch, you know? Um, <laughs> and also, probably don't tell your interviewer in the podcast. So you do a podcast because they may, I don't know, they may look for this. Um <laughs> I shouldn't be saying anything in this show, but you know what? At the end of the day, this podcast is my baby, and, you know, it's where I've got to be the best and most honest version of myself so that one day I can make a honest, honest living, Um, <laughs> you know? But, you know, that that's the thing, man. It, it's a, a lot of people, man, they can't take positions that have responsibility and it's going to be something interesting for me if I do get the position because it is pretty intent on you being responsible for everything a lot of things you know and I've just never had to do it in a professional work environment so I've always just been able to do my job specifically do it at a very high level the jobs I've noticed I've been asked to do higher positions of other jobs, but I was just like, you know what? Nah, I'd rather do Freestyle Friday with my boy. Um, <laughs> that's actually kind of true. I was asked at my first job, like, hey, you ever thought about becoming a shift manager at McDonald's? And I was like, yeah, for two and a half extra, for $2.50 extra an hour, and, you know, seeing managers go to the dumpster area and, you know, blowing five dudes um true story actually i had a manager when i worked at a mcdonald's literally during our during the rushes in between like six and eight six to nine p.m we'd be in there me run this whole grill area a girl doing the uh, window plus taking orders like, i don't care people man that mcdonald's shit you know working that it's not that the task specifically you are doing is hard it is the multi-tasking being in charge of doing so many different things when you work certain shifts at the same time simultaneously it's not about the yeah you know what you don't have to actually you know what you just pull some levers the drinks will do automatically nowadays you know the burgers you don't have to look at the time or cook on its own time the stuff is already pre-packaged you know Everything's prepped for you for the most part. Like, this stuff's really not hard. 
but it's the speed and the multitasking aspect that for someone's, you know, very early in their working career, someone who's in charge of a whole building at a point in time, it's like, yeah, that shit can be like I've said the most stressed out people I've seen is when I worked at those places. When I worked there, like I've like you know I've seen employees stress and managers as I've worked for stress. Honestly, I I think the most consistent stress it was that job, you know. And the thing is, is like the increase from my position of just working in a grill area, making at the time eight fifty an hour, and I swear to God, I could save more money making eight fifty an hour than what I make now. And probably potentially what I'm going to make if I get this position. Because my life expenses have increased, you know. I have a pretty uh, steep lifestyle. You know, as the ladies like to say in divorce courts. Like, you know, I'm just used to a lifestyle. It's like, well, <laughs> your life uh, income says otherwise. Um, <laughs> it's like, oh, that's a shame. Um, but, you know. I guess uh, big things are coming. Um, <laughs> I'm such a fool. That's a, yeah. You know, you can look at my face and you know the story. Sure, I fucking shaved. Um, <laughs> you know, I, I'm a shaver. You know, I don't shave any points, even though I gamble. Um, which you know, some told me tonight. You know, it was Thursday. Night. Some told me I didn't do. I typically one of the rules I have for my sports gambling betting. I don't bet on. S- Thursday night games at all. I don't do Monday night games. Those are the first, you know, before I used to sometimes add a Sunday night game if it was being played on a player and stuff. But the issue is I've noticed with these primetime games is like the conventional shit just doesn't happen. Like it's a big light. Certain things happen. It feels like it's just the games always go in these crazy fucking places. And for these... Even for the Sunday night football, like the worst thing is when you have, okay, I just need, I've already hit on three things. I just need this one player to rush for 40 yards. He's been averaging 15 carries a game. The over number is 40 yards. Hey, get 40 yards. And then the worst thing is when you do everything right, you're feeling good. And then, you know, you're just like, you know what? This guy's going to get 40 yards tonight. I got 80 bucks coming to my account. And then the guy gets like four carries. And you're fucked. That is the worst feeling. So I always do my bets during the 1 o'clock, 4 o'clock games. Because that's where most of the games are. And that's where I'm like, you know what? At least I'm going to know by the end of that day if I'm getting paid. Um. So, but yeah. I guess more of all that is, uh, you know, if you have an opportunity to go for a better position with potential growth and stuff like that, do it. Don't be afraid of it. Even if you doubt whether you're able, your abilities, you know. Well, actually, if you doubt it, don't do it. Um, <laughs> There's no need to take on responsibility if you already doubt the fact that you can deal with the responsibility. Um, But yeah, drink responsibly as um, today's sponsor, Duncan. Still waiting for your sponsor, guys. Um, it would be really nice if you saved me a lot of fucking money. Honestly, I honestly feel like if I had a sponsor from Duncan, I, I wouldn't even ask him to pay me. Honest to God. I would be like, hey, just give me a voucher where I just get unlimited Duncan products wherever I go. And I will advertise your, I will advertise your company for every single podcast for the rest of my life for free. Even... If I were to get to such a status where I could charge you 200k for an advertisement, right? Like one of those Joe Rogan things. Like, dude, the things this dude can charge for advertisements is fucking insane. But if I, even if I were to ever get to that absurd point, I would still just be like, you know what? You guys will save me a lot of money. So I will just do your sponsor every episode. I will drink your shit during every episode. And we will be all right. Well, actually, at that point, I wouldn't even ask. You know, I would just be like, hey, let me just, can I just become a franchise? Can you just give me 
the operations to a Dunkin. Let me buy it or just give me a Dunkin Donuts. I'm willing to buy it. Just give it to me, you know. Have it nearby my house. Anytime I want to go get my shit, I'll make sure things are running properly. You know, I'm a, I'm a guy that likes to operate. <laughs> and once I start doing surgery on the nose cavity, there'll be a lot of buzzing going through my body. Because <laughs> I'm just one big honeybee. Because once I sting, I you could put my cremation in a bottle, put it on a grocery store shelf and call and charge $27 because I'm all natural and organic. Honey. Yeah, honey prices are fucking insane. Syrup prices are absurd. You buy fucking raw unfiltered real syrup for 42 bucks for like 10 ounces like suck my maple syrup fungus looking toenail. Um <laughs> It actually kind of does look like maple syrup. But I bet you won't dip your butter waffle in there. God damn it. That's why I forgot. Fucking butter. Um, <laughs> uh, but yeah. You know. It's going great out here. You know. Always stay positive as they say. You know. It's all about the positive vibes. Uh, it's a positive vibe. You know. With you. She likes to vibe. With me. She likes me inside. <laughs> All right. This actually is probably not helping my case. Um, <laughs> now, nah, I just thought about that earlier because I was listening to that 8 a.m. in Charlotte song by Drake. And I felt like that. I was like listening to the flow of that. You know, you ever listen to a, a song and you start making your own lyrics over it and you start pretending you're like Drake and some shit. And I started like in my mind. Like, as the flow is going, with you, she feeling the vibe. But when she chilling with me, we don't even go outside. I be just going inside. You know, some dumb shit like that, you know? And who would make some connections about some watch or some bibelos that no one, like, some rich people shit. Some buying, you know, clothing that no one even really knows except if you make over, like, 500000 a year. It's like there's a secret society of clothing where it's like, oh, if you don't. And then there's always some random username in the comments like, oh, if you guys don't know what this is, tell me you're poor without telling me you're poor. Huh, huh. It's like, tell me you're poor without telling me you're poor. Can you not afford a Google account um, with the actual username? It's like, oh, well, that's what rich people do. You know, real rich people don't actually tell you you're rich. They actually uh, keep everything secluded. They don't put their name out there. So all these people you see on YouTube that claim they're rich and have $500 million net worth, they're not really rich because real rich people don't want you to know they're rich. And it's like, actually, that's not true. There's rich people that want you to know they're rich. Elon Musk literally bought Twitter just because he's like, you know what? I just want to be able to post whatever the fuck I want on Twitter. Boom. What did he put? Like fucking $30 billion or whatever the fuck to buy that shit? It's like, don't tell, like, don't sit here and tell me, like, oh, you know, rich people don't want you to really know they're rich. It's like, no, like, I actually, some of them really do. And there's nothing wrong with that. If they, you know, But you know what they say, a man rich in spirit will always beat a man that's rich. And um, that's why men that are rich in spirit ride spirit airlines. Which I've never, you know, this actually will expose how poor I am. I don't even travel. Um, <laughs> uh, but like, that's the thing, I've only heard about spirit airlines. I haven't been on a plane since I was like 12 years old, I don't think. You know, actually, I'm not afraid of flying. I think I would enjoy it. But you know what discourages me? And I think most people that don't travel, it's like, you know, I'm sure it would be great to go to Spain. I'm sure it'd be great to go to Beijing. I think it would be good. You know, the pictures say it looks good. I think it'd be great to go to Australia. I think it'd be great to go to Denmark, Ireland, Amsterdam. 
you know, Brazil. But it's just everything that comes with going there. The getting the passport. To going online and buying a plane ticket. Going online. Getting a ride to the airport. Because you can't really just drive yourself to the airport and park there. Unless you want to you know, have your car parked somewhere for $400 over three days or some shit. And deal with the traffic that comes with mo- where most airports are. Which are in the middle of where fucking everything has happened. And then the security. You know going through security. Paying to have extra baggage, saying, ah, this shit weighs... And God forbid if you go somewhere and they lose your luggage, dealing with that. Then it's like, oh, you actually only bought a ticket to go there, a one-way ticket. You didn't buy one to come back, so... The only thing we have available is this $1,300 economy ticket we're going to be sitting next to. And, man, and depend diapers. And you're going to be... Depending on your ability not to smell anything to make sure you survive that flight. Um, <laughs> which actually, I think there was an incident like three weeks ago. It actually happened on a flight, I think, that went from Atlanta to somewhere else. And they had to fly it back after like an hour and a half or some shit. Because some person had diarrhea streaking down. <laughs> The aisle or streaking down the plane and it wasn't the bathroom area. And of course it was a health hazard and all that shit. Like. Imagine if I don't think they ever. Imagine if you were the person for why that is. I mean people on the plane know who you are. So like someone's probably going to put you on blast. More than the stuff that came out was on blast. Um, <laughs> Jimmy Neutron. Um. <laughs> But yeah, that's the thing, you know. Right now, I'm kind of having diarrhea of the mouth. (laughs) This one big gold mine. (laughs) Poopy scoopy. I need my own litter box. (laughs) I do not want to squat in that direction. Yeah. Skeet, skeet. But yeah. Imagine if you're on a plane and you just see this brown streak. I'd be like, oh man, the kid spilled his, you know. Horizon organic 2% little chocolate milk thing that their mother probably paid eight and a half dollars for on the flight just because, you know, that's a, I think it was, was it Spirit? Nah, I don't know if it was Spirit. Maybe been American Air. It was probably Delta. It's always Delta. I guess they were Delta bad hand. Eh? No? Okay. Um, <laughs> but imagine, you're on a plane dealing with that, like, would you be more scared of seeing diarrhea, watery poop going in between your legs on the ground? Or if you were on a plane with the snake going in between your leg? You know, that's a tough call. That's tough. Um, would you rather have diarrhea, someone else's diarrhea flowing in between your legs for a flight? Or dealing with a snake on a plane? <sighs> I guess it depends what type of snake, but maybe it depends more on what type of diarrhea. Are we talking about like the diarrhea with a uh, little mud, chocolate chip chunks? Kind? Are we talking about ones that just look like dirty water when it overflows into mud? Are we talking about one of those? Are we talking about one of those, you know, melted fudge, slow burning ones? Like kind of ones that look like lava, uh, crest molasses looking things? Like one of those things? I don't know. I'm not, look, I hate snakes. I think snakes are, you know, I understand the purpose. You know, all the animals, all of us have a purpose for survival. You know, we eat this. Other animals eat insects. Some insects kill other bugs. You know, roaches kill this. Rats get, you know, whatever the fuck. Like, but, you know, Snakes are just one of those things where it's like life would be a lot less scary without them. Um, <laughs> uh, like, what would scare you more in water seeing this long megalodon, 200 foot prehistoric shark come in your direction, or being in a 
not even an Amazon river, just like being outside in the woods and you see this like 80 foot python coming at you or not even coming at you, just in your vicinity. You may not even notice you. Because in water, look, in water, you're out of your natural habitat. Like, you, you can't swim fast. Everything's working against you. One gulp, and you'll be less than Tropicana pulp. Um, you know, on feet, you can justify that you might outrun a snake. But the thing is, like, when it gets you, they typically, like, well, they'll try to strangle you, wrap around your body. They'll bite you, they'll swallow you whole, and even when they swallow you whole, depend on you, I think you're still alive for a period of time. Like, and they, you just expand in their body until you suffocate and can't breathe type of shit. Where a shark, you know, look, they bite you in half, I mean, you're done for in a minute or so, you're gonna bleed out to death. In your best case scenario, a snake is just long, grueling death, and you die on nature's soil. That was supposed to be your advantage. So I guess, like, if you die in the water, it's like, hey, man, you know, I was just out of my element. But if you die on feet to an 80 foot snake, you're just a weak ass little bitch. Um, <laughs> but if it's on a plane, you know, you're in the middle of the air. It's like, so. Like, you're not out of your habitat, but you're not completely in your habitat. So, is that in-between phase? Man, this is kind of a scary thing. See, but the point is, this is why I don't want to fly. I don't, ca- I don't care to travel. It just seems like so many things are not really worth going to see a tower or going to, you know, experience a brothel and... Uh, you know, Thailand. Um, <laughs> because, you know, once you get in these places, especially in Thailand and Bangkok, um, you may not actually find what you think you're looking for. And by the time you realize, you uh, was like, uh-oh, she was really pretty. But uh, what I saw next made me think like, oh, Jesus Okay, yeah. But yeah, I guess the more of all that is, is uh, traveling is not really worth it. Um, <laughs> I would, but you know what? I would rather die experiencing, you know, what God gave us than living a unfulfilled, un, unseeked, unadventurous life. And guys, like, you know, I had to create all this just because I had to create room for everyone, you know? I had to find places for every one of you fucking species to exist. The species existed. I just had to create the environments for all of you to live. Like, you really think guys like roaches? Great. You're like, well, I guess we'll build a little, you know? It's like, oh, you know? You know, monkeys, chimpanzees, snakes, you know, parrots, toucans. I guess we'll build a force where they can all just kind of not. Can you imagine if they just all lived where we lived? We all lived together. We probably dap to each other over time. Then you'd be one of those weird people with a fucking puma as your pet. And by the way, I've come across this dude that owns a puma. I don't know where he lives. I guess it can't be America. But he actually owns a legit puma. Now, puma. I missed this shirt I used to have. It was a hand-me-down shirt. I got from somewhere. And you couldn't even tell it was Puma. The only reason why I knew it was Puma. Because I found this one part in the back. That had a Puma on it. But the label. You know the thing was like washed off essentially. And. But it was the most comfortable shirt I had to this day. And it wasn't anything. It was just a black t-shirt. It fitted perfectly. God I would fit really good in that shit now. Whew. But um. <laughs> I get a different time of Puma these days. <laughs> George, George, George of the Jungle, watch out for that tree. I guess I really am like George in the Jungle. Because the more I talk, the more I get decapitated by a tree branch. Um, <laughs> but George of the Jungle, I think, was actually just supposed to be a comedic, scary movie version of Tarzan. 
But I'm pretty sure that's one of those movies. Like when I watched it when it came out. That was one of those movies when it came out in real time. It's like, man, this is just a fun fucking movie to watch. It's good for the kids. It's a lot of blue type of humor. But I feel like now, like a lot of things, it would be like, this is completely absurd. This is absurd even for a kid's movie. This is just dumb. <laughs> like, you know. But at the time, it felt like the greatest fucking movie. And I haven't watched it recently or anything. I don't know why. That just came to mind. I'm probably closer to the George of the Jungle than I am Thor. It feels like every time. Now I get a compliment every single time. Like, bro, you really look like Thor. You probably look like you worked out three times today. I'm like, it's been twice this week he's like no i just saw you here yesterday i'm like i haven't been here since sunday my friend and i was like so serious and i think he was like kind of joking but it felt like he he, that's i don't know how to take compliments i know what you're saying but it's like what am i supposed to be like well you know you know you don't know what it's like to be me man you know being a fitness influencer influencer with four million followers like Bradley Martin you know it's just it takes a dedication you just don't understand um (laughs) uh I guess if I were to pick up girls at the gym I would call it that raw talk huh not bad not that I would because I'm a man who loves this woman but I'm just saying it feels like there's less videos of guy creeps now. It seems like there's less videos about creeps in the gym. I mean, obviously they still exist. But I think it's less and less videos being put out there. Because I think less people are just probably don't want to go to those gym environments. People will just go to the gym when no one's there. Honestly, I think people are kind of at that point where... People would prefer to do things that typically you would do socially with other people or at least around other people without thinking twice and try to do them at times where no one else will realistically be there. People like to go to, now I know it's like, there's not many people that are hanging around at like coffee shops at three, four, five in the afternoon and socializing or even doing work, right? Now people just go either first thing in the morning or they Go at times at just like late at night when not many people are there. Everyone just kind of prefers to do everything when they assume or that we all just kind of agree would not be regular times you would do these things. Maybe it's because there's a lot instilled instilled into people. If you're you need to be doing things, doing things first before everyone wakes up or you need to be doing things staying up late. So you can separate yourself from people. It's like, okay, I get that corny shit. It's really just about, are you going to do the thing today? It doesn't really matter all that much when you do it. In some cases it does. like, But for the most part, you're either going to get the shit that you want it done. It doesn't matter if you you wake up at 5 a.m. before you have to start your quote-unquote regular day at 7 a.m. And you do your, you know morning workouts or you do all this extra stuff and it's like but then you don't do shit the rest of the day then you just woke up a couple hours earlier just to still not do shit the rest of the day essentially you know that that's the thing it's very easy to sell like the rise and grind culture it's like do you just fucking do the shit or do you not this whole like Waking up at 4 a.m. or staying up till 2 a.m. And this whole, also this whole weird culture of just like feeling the overconsumption of feeling like you've got to be working a shitload to be acclimated, to be admired. And if you're not working 14 hours every single day, you're not really about that life. It's like, and I guess actually that, you know, I actually came across this earlier, kind of transition stuff people are getting on i I came across this sports now on pro football talk i came across a youtube video where mike forio it was a clip they put out of a show and the thing is like he actually put out this clip and really thought like 
oh yeah like i like what i'm saying is actually like people are gonna resonate with me and it was kirk cousins because he did the netflix series with quarterbacks last season and it was essentially him it was basically showing that day by day of what it takes to prepare being the quarterback of a team, blah, blah, blah. And the thing that stuck out to people was every Tuesday, he takes Tuesday off completely from football slash work, meaning he doesn't go to the facility. He Tuesday is his day to spend time with his family, his kids, his wife, and that's their day where that's their day, right? And most people that would say that, people would be like, you know what? That's really honorable. That's really great that, you know what? There's more to life than work. Work Work-life balance. He's still working every day of the week. He just makes sure he makes time for, you know, the woman taking care of his kids, his livelihood, and all that shit. They forget, like, every day he prepares. He's intense. The crazy grind he goes through first in, last one out type of thing. But because he takes one day, right, Mike Florio had an issue because there was a picture he posted. It's one thing when, like, it's said in a documentary, people like, oh, okay, whatever. But then I guess there was a social media picture posted of Kirk Cousins at a, I think it was a Miami Marlins game. He was at a baseball game. He was at an MLB baseball game. And... It may have been the twins, that may be, but he was just at the game with his wife. His wife took the picture of them kids. He obviously like, okay, cool. He didn't think like, whatever. And I don't think anyone had an issue except for Mike Florio, the person running a show talk called Pro Football Talk. And he made this deal about this is not a good look, you know. His work ethic isn't really all, you know, this is a day by Sunday through Sunday. The grind, the things that separate the great for good. This is why he has strength in big moments. It's like, you know what? I don't think if he didn't go to that game, I don't think if he's taken Tuesday off every Tuesday for the past five seasons of, let's just say, I don't think that's the reason why he has fallen short. I don't think if he would have... Been at the facility to learn what a cover two zone defense of what the Tampa Bay Bucks are doing is going to make a fucking difference. He's at a point in the league where it's like he either knows what he's seeing, he either's making good decisions, or he's not. I don't think him doing that was going to be the difference between them making uh, the NFC Championship game compared to them not making the playoffs. And you know what people are going to say? Well, you know what? That's why you're not in that league because you're not at that level because you don't understand the preparation it takes. It's like, no, you know, there's the things that people sell you about this shit to make it always feel like. And it's a very intense business. I get it day by day. It's also a very small four or five month league, six months, I guess, off season. It's literally a half a year league. They're six months off for the players. Now, they're training and stuff, but, you know, the 16 hours a day thing, you know, it kind of, it's a reflection on, like, this man took time out to be with his family. Yes, this dude's getting paid a lot of money. They're all getting paid a lot of money. He's a, And the point he made, he's the highest employee, he's the highest paid employee in the building. You should be doing everything, every day, every possible chance, and you try to use other quarterbacks as ex- example. Of every day they would, it's like, yeah, look, that's what they tell you. You really think that Patrick Mahomes doesn't take, you know, half a day off to spend time with his kids? And like, that's the thing. These people just be saying shit. People think that just because you're making $28 million a year, 30, like you're not entitled to have time to actually, because sometimes that recovery and that day off is what will continue making you more on target with the task you got to take time off sometimes you got to take your day off in the week to reset yourself so you can be better going forward instead of being caught up in this endless one direction cycle right and i really i highly doubt that he just doesn't study film at home i highly doubt when he goes home 
He literally just does nothing that day during the season. Like, I'm pretty sure he's doing shit at home at nighttime when the kids go to bed or at least, like... That's the thing that's so stupid with this shit. And the fact that someone be comfortable going out, questioning someone's work ethic, when that's literally one of the things that makes him even, you know, pretty successful at his position. Because it's not, he doesn't have crazy arm talent. He doesn't have the most obvious physical tools. His growth as a player getting consistently better. His stats getting better over the time. Say what you want. He's been a starting quarterback for like eight years straight now. He's obviously doing something right. There's been plenty of players that come in and they have the greatest work ethic ever, but there's no sustainability because there's no balance. And when you don't have balance, you're not grounded. When you're not grounded, you are more susceptible to do things that cost you more of your career, to become overwhelmed and not actually be in control of your life and situation. And that's when bad things can sometimes happen to people. And it seems like Kirk Cousins just has a belief of what he feels of Everything that supports him, and he finds ways to prioritize it, even with the stress of his job, even with um, the status, even with the responsibility, the influence that comes with his job. I, I guarantee if they were to ask every single person in that building, especially the players, there may be some coaches like, oh, we're in here grinding 15 hours day and all this shit is like yeah because what else are you gonna fucking do you just draw up a bunch of plays you know you just create scenarios try to prepare the team and stuff it's like yeah what else are you gonna do you're not actually out there having to react to what's happening you're not reacting when my wide receiver can't separate well in his case Justin Jefferson's always separated but um you're not out there when I'm getting rushed because the left guard can't tackle or he can't you know, block Chris Jones that day, and I'm fucked. You like you're calling these plays, like oh, just get it done. It's like I can't really do it when this guy's in my face in a second and a half. Just get the ball out quicker. It's like people don't run forty yards in a second and a half. The forty yard dash is simply four to five seconds. You know, um, <laughs> but you know, it, it's more of the comfort of criticizing someone for doing. A normal activity during the regular season. If it was a playoffs and it's like a ride or die game the next game, I can understand that. Like that sounds like, all right, it's not a good look. We're talking about week four, week five of the season. Like Kirk Cousins is not the Vikings issues. Anyways, if we're going to be, it's not like fucking, De- you know, Desmond Ritter was out of game, has been stinking up the joint, you know? It's just, it's so fucking stupid. As, you know, but while I was saying, if you were to survey and ask every single person in that building, does any of you have a problem with him going to the game with his family? They'd be like, are you fucking kidding? Like, that's what you're asking us? Like, no, no one would have an issue. Because they know when he comes into the building, he's prepared. They're like, they know with him, he's going to come be prepared for everything that day. That's not going to be a question. Now, if it was a quarterback that had work ethic issues and was unprepared, they felt he wasn't taking his job seriously, doing the extra work necessary. It just, you know, also here's the thing. Just because someone's working, quote unquote, working and at the building and actually doing where they say they're doing X, Y, and Z from the moment they wake up to the moment they end day. That doesn't mean they're productive every minute and every hour of that day. Someone can work four days a week, eight to nine hours a day, and get more done in that period of time if they prioritize and they're really focused. And someone who's doing some six, seven days a week, 12 hours a day, but they're doing a lot of fuck around, checking their phone, doing this, like, eh, doing this on the side, like, ah, oh, you know, I'm going to go get something to eat. It's like, Kirk Cousins seems like the guy that's like, my full attention is on this for the next eight hours, ten hours I'm here. And when I do some, I'm fully committed. It doesn't always work out on the field in his favor. You know, but that's just read and react football. You know, that has nothing to do with him doing X, Y, and Z. But, you know, and that's that's why I I hate when you hear journalists and stuff talk about the importance of work-life balance, all this shit. But then when someone actually exercises that in certain positions, people get mad about it. 
it's like, oh, you need to be doing this. This is your job. It's like, yeah, there's a lot of things at your job and you do shit on the job that isn't even work related. People people take crazy long bathroom breaks on the job. People take smoke breaks. People, you know, walk around, you know, take their time doing things that isn't job related. But because typically in those situations, they're in situations that people feel that they're being underpaid and stuff like that. It's like, oh, well, that's okay. It's like, I don't know. This shit's fucking, it's stupid. I would actually think what he is doing is a better realistic look of how to live your life and not let success kind of funnel you into a way of living that you may not necessarily believe in or that's naturally you. It's like, No, like, he's a man who's, obviously, he has a faith and religion. He's a man that has values. He has identified that, and he makes time for that, and he's made it clear. It's not like he, it's like, hey, the organization knows it. They've come to an agreement. This is okay. He didn't hoodwink them with, like, you know what? I'm not coming in today, by the way. I'm going to take today off. I need time to myself, and then they see him out there. Like, he's not hoodwinking. He's, oh, like, yeah, this is my day with my wife and my family. It's like the man takes one day to be with the people that makes life more full for him, more complete, the full picture of life. And people have the audacity to sit here and tell him that's why he's not great. That's why his work ethic isn't epitome of what greatness is. It's like, yeah, and look how, and you know, someone actually made a point. It's like, yeah, you know what? Tom Brady literally lost his marriage to win one more Super Bowl. Was it worth it? I mean, the financial part, I don't know. I don't know what their financial divorce situation is. I mean, she already has money, so maybe it's not even really anything. I'm pretty sure they have assets and stuff. But, you know, it's like, was it really worth potentially losing your family unit as you know it traditionally? Just because of competitive nature. It's like, well, that's what makes them great. It's like, yeah, that's what makes them great in your eyes. But they've got to live with the consequences that come with that for the rest of their, you know. And look, that doesn't mean if he didn't play that their marriage would have lasted. But obviously, that was a pretty big deal. And he went through the divorce during the season. And, you know, I don't care who you are. I don't care how much money you have, how much power when you get divorced or lose something that you genuinely wanted and felt like you failed the situation in some way, that that will affect anyone. I don't care. Like, but all, you know, that's it. But we live in this where fans and it's very first take undisputed mode where it's all about because of Skip Bayless and really being on Skip Bayless. It's all about like having that killer instinct. You'll be like Michael Jordan. It's like, and it's just this, everything about winning and competitiveness goes in front of everything important in life. And if you think otherwise and you're just soft and weak, it's like, yeah, you're also going to miss out on a lot in life. It's about like, look, what's important to you? If you're okay with what comes with this and the benefits, sure. But Michael Jordan also doesn't have a great relationship with his kids. He's been divorced a few times. He has this very uh, unsettling demeanor when people interact with him. His ego's crazy. And it's like, and then people say, well, that's why LeBron's not MJ. It's like, okay, LeBron still has his family, kids that he's actively in their life, a wife that's been with him since high school. Um, he's a billionaire, been in movies. He has his own business empire. He's year 20, 21 in the league now because of how well he's taking care of himself. He has his priorities, what matters to him. And so it's like, okay. And he's had a great career. He's lost some finals. He's choked in some situations in his past, but he's overcome them. Like most people in life, life is not just this linear success rate. So it's like you could criticize him for his failures in terms of winning as many finals and losing all the finals he did. 
But from a full, complete package of life, I would take LeBron's overall life. Because you know what? When he retires, he actually has kids and a family that he can kind of have lived through them. Like, man, I'm seeing my kids have success. I have a real relationship with them. I'm active in their life. I'm actually like really their father type of shit. And feel like it. And I didn't get caught up in just being this competitive, crazy whack job that I wasn't able to think for myself. And I let the competitive nature of quote unquote winning take over everything that deemed to be important in my life. There's pros and cons. All I'm saying is there's pros and cons to it both. And don't be like these Mike Florios criticizing other people when you don't know what it's like doing their position. Kirk Cousins may be putting 18 hours a day into his position. And you have the audacity to criticize, but I don't know. Cameron's about to die. So yeah, that was episode 225 of the Often Be Podcast with Clint Nelson. I'm your host, Clint Nelson. Don't forget to like, follow, comment, subscribe, hit the notification bell on all apps. Leave a review on Spotify and Apple Podcasts. But most important, ladies and gentlemen, I forgot to say this earlier. Don't forget to suck some titties. I got in at the end before the battery died and... Well, when you're sucking them titties, they never die. <laughs> All right. I, you know, I was doing so well, and I had to fuck it up. I had to say something stupid. But, yeah, have a great day.